It's your Saturday morning source for everything Huskers. Turn, hand off to Minter, hit in the backfield and drilled. Again, 13's there to make the tackle. Nebraska wins its fifth national championship. Giving you an inside look at everything going on in Husker Nation, this is the KLIN Husker Hour. Strike right, three called, and the Huskers are the Big Ten Conference champions. Success, college, underdog, and then one exclamation point. Pump the brakes. Now your hosts, KLIN contributor Cole Stukenholz and KLIN reporter Matt McMaster. Good Saturday morning. Welcome to another edition of the KLIN Husker Hour, a July edition. We are through half of the year, Matt. It is uh it's fourth of July weekend. I'm dressed festively. You are not. That's okay. I didn't. I didn't know there was a dress code. <laughs> There's not. I just. I just felt the. You know, when when you can wear the the red, white, and blue tank, you you wear the red, white, and blue tank. I don't. I'm not a tank top guy. Don't I'm not either. That. When is... you don't. When you don't have muscles like me, you just wear long sleeves or you know short sleeves or whatever. I don't. Can't. You gotta. You gotta be a certain grade. I, I also like to wear a tank top. I also do not have muscles, and this but yet is you still wear it. Also, the only tank I own. So you know. Fair enough. Uh, hey, we got a good show. We're continuing position previews. We've got Ethan Piper and the offensive line up today. It's That'll been, be fun. Uh, That'll be good. A, it's been a busy, busy month of June so yeah, far. Yeah, can we take a break? Back. Can we take a break? No, not us. But I'm just saying, Husker Sports. Well, actually, in general, you and I. But yeah, Husker Sports in general needs to slow the heck down. You say okay? that now on July 1st. July 15th is going to come around. You're going to be like, oh my. God, there is nothing to talk about this week. That is true. But the amount of just commits, <laughs> Jordy Ball, transfers, volleyball day in Nebraska, you know, Mayor Beeson's the captain, you know, Lexi Rodriguez. I mean, there's just so much there's just so much going on. Yeah. I thought this was like this would be a slow summer. It's not. Rules on a recruiting rampage. We talked about it. And uh this class, this class is leveling up. Yeah. Yeah. So so far we've hit running back, D B, tight end, got offensive line today. Uh, we are, yeah, we're plowing right through. So we will have Ethan Piper a little bit later on, um, and yeah, let's let's get to the recruiting because we just did this last week. There were eight commits <laughs> in a week, and now this week there were five more. I mean, it's too much. They're, they they too much. They now have twenty two total commitments um, on Husker twenty four seven or twenty twenty four seven Sports uh, in the, the composite recruiting rankings. Uh, they're actually. I thought they were 16th. No, they went up. 13th. They went up because Kalen. Kalen got upgraded, baby. I didn't refresh this. Yeah, Daniel Kalen getting that that four-star on on three. Still listed as a three-star on 24-7. Well, so 24-7 independently has them as four stars. But their composite ranking, which also includes uh, ESPN. And what's what's the other one? Uh, It's 24-7, ESPN, on three. And I think it's... Rivals, rivals. Yeah, thank you. Rivals, thank you. As a as a media in college football, you think I would know all four of the composite? Honestly, it's off hard the to top keep up. My, it is a little a hard. A lot to of keep this, up. you know, the names changed hands over over the course of the last but, couple of years with the Nebraska side. Let's get to the meat and potatoes of this. Yeah, Nebraska's thirteenth, according to twenty four seven, which is kind of what you and I run off of. There, I think they're a little bit higher according to on three, which is the other one that I use. I, I like using both, by the way, on three and twenty four seven. I think they're both incredible when it comes to recruiting. People have their preferences. 
you know, regardless. It's, pers- I, I it's personal preference. Schaefer for me. They're, they're long well, time no, no, guests no, of the show. It, it, it's not even, it's not but even. You know, like, it's all it's good. It's just format. We've had I, on three guys, too. Oh, We've yeah, had we love Nebraska them. guys. But look. All good. 22 commits in June. There's still a full high school football season to be played. And I think people look at that 22 commits mark, and they're like, wow, that's really high. Like, that's a lot of commits to have. Even before, you got guys who are going to take official visits during the season mm-hmm. that you're hoping to sign yeah. that maybe now, I mean, let's talk about this. I mean, let's just, uh, I wouldn't say it's the elephant in the room, but a guy like Caleb Benning, who's a DB, who I, I think he's, I don't think he's planned to take, I don't know, has he taken an official visit yet? I think his, what I, I read, I think what I read was that his plan was to do it during the, the season. I'm not yep. completely sure, yep. but there's five DBs already committed to this team. And so now you're kind of getting to the point where you got 22 guys and you might have some offers that aren't committable anymore. I don't know in terms of of Caleb's situation. I think his is still committable, but you've got to look at a guy like you look at a guy like that who's super talented, uber talented. I would love for Caleb Benning to commit to Nebraska. But if you're a guy like that and you're looking, hey, they already have five defensive backs, that might give you a little bit of you know, maybe he's a little less, maybe he's more tentative now or hesitant to make that commitment. So that's one negative maybe of having so many commits at this point. But I will say this, you know, Nebraska doesn't have the most commits in the country. You look at a team like Georgia's got 21, Michigan's got 24, Notre Dame's got 21, Penn State's got 20, Stanford's got 27. These leaders, Minnesota's got 23. The leaders in, in recruiting typically have a lot of commits, you know, already to this point. So... And that was a very long-winded way of saying there's some there's some positives and there's some negatives of having so many commitments already. Uh, but they're when was the last time you saw them this high recruiting rankings? Well, they've they've been this high in recruiting rankings at different stages in the game. Sure. Certainly not in June or yeah. July prior to us uh, prior to the the next you know season starting. That part of it is is outside the norm. Nebraska's had stints where they've been in this in this uh, stratosphere. Uh, I mean, you go back to 2005; that class was number five nationally with Bill Callahan. Uh, but even the Bo Pelini era, and and maybe at times in the Frost era, they've been in the teens uh, with a couple of classes at various points. Whether they finish there or not is is maybe a different story. But they've they've been in this in this space. Uh, the 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 fact they've done it this early. One of the one of the quotes that Matt Rule has said, and this is not a direct quote by any means, but he has mentioned a couple times in his media availabilities that he said, "I will tend to to favor the guys who buy in before they see it." Sure, right. So the the players who come and talk to this staff, who he meets, who he gets to build a relationship with, the coaching staff builds relationships with. When they when they buy in before any on field success has happened, those are the guys that that he's going to feel a little bit more of a connection with, more or less, because he's not been in a place longer than four years. So, you know that that group of guys has not actually completely aged out of either of the programs that he's been at before. So, the fact that they've gotten so many players to essentially do that to buy in before they've seen any on field success does speak to the level of comfortability that they have with this staff. They're certainly connecting with Matt Rule and with their various position coaches. And 
the resources that Nebraska brings to the table are obviously right up there with these other top schools. I mean, look at the commitment of Carter Nelson. Carter Nelson, in the month of June, visited Georgia, Notre Dame, and Penn State, and then came to Lincoln and committed to Nebraska. So he saw what these other really, really successful, traditional, and and high-on-resources schools were able to give him, and, and he still chose Nebraska. That does give you an idea of, you know, hey, Nebraska still has quite a bit to offer. Um, so, I, so I think it's a double-edged sword, though. In terms of having so many commitments this early? It, it will, it, like I said, with, with the whole, I'm gonna, I'll keep saying it, with the Caleb Benning situation, where it's you got, what, five or six DBs already committed, and it's like you got a lot of guys who, are, sure, are already buying in, but there are, there are high-level recruits already that you would probably prefer over some of the guys that have already committed in there, and now they could be hesitant. Like, Caleb Benning probably is the best defensive back prospect they're going after, and now he's kind of sitting on the side looking, weighing his options on where he's going to go to college, and he's, there's already five defensive backs already committed to this class for Nebraska, in a room, by the way, that already has, like, 20 defensive backs. Yeah, 19 on scholarship. So, like, like, there's a double-edged sword of, you're absolutely right, getting a, getting guys who are like, okay, I haven't seen the on-field product, but I believe in this coaching staff, and I believe in what they're doing, but then there's also, like, Nate Frazier is in California right now, mm-hmm. weighing his options, and Nebraska's already got a running back committed to their class. Now, I'm not saying it's bad to have a lot of guys committed to one position or whatever, but when you when I'm a running back and I'm looking to go to a team and I see that oh wow they already they already got another guy or I'm you know maybe you, there's still some doubt there's still a little doubt we see it way more with quarterbacks than we do with any other sort of uh, of position group. So I think that you're right. It is good that they are getting guys who are buying in right now and who believe in this program before there are results, okay? But there's also, I feel, the tailback of, like, there are very talented guys that they're still going to go after who are thinking, well, okay, I really like the program, but there's way more competition, and there's way that, that I thought there would be, and it's clear that, you know, you're you're telling me that I'm the guy, that I'm the future at the defensive back spot, or I'm the future at the wide receiver spot. How many guys are you telling that, though? You know, so it's I think there's it's good to lock up your classes early. And I think especially with how these guys recruit, we talked about it last week with that stellar article from Husker Online about how Evan Cooper recruits and how Evan Cooper finds these guys before they blow up. I think that that is true. They are really good at finding these talents before they get popular, before they have a lot of these scholarships, and they get these guys who are going to develop before it becomes a, a rat race in order for them to go and get get them, right? Because yep. if you're offering these guys now and they're committing now when they have their senior season and they develop and they explode like these guys, like this coaching staff believe they would, you already got them locked up. You don't got to worry about that anymore. At the same time, you cause when you get all these positions and all these guys, other guys that you're going after in these position groups could very well doubt. And I'm not saying anyone is, Mm. but very well doubt. Well, maybe I should go to this place because they only have one other defensive back recruit. And I really like their family aspect and I really like their, their program. And some of these prospects that they're recruiting, they're competing against programs that have been winning too. What, so a few things I'll say on that. Number one, none of these guys are signed. Obviously, that is true. That's a huge that is thing. true. There's that a lot true. still to go. Obviously, Absolutely. as these guys potentially blow up, 
um, like like this staff believes they probably will, there will be attention. And, and I would imagine, you know, two, three, four of these kids that are in this class right now today may not be a part of what ultimately ends up as the signed that's probably class in good. That's probably a good assumption. The other piece, position changes is a big hallmark of this staff as well. So the fact that you do have five defensive backs here sure. committed, that doesn't necessarily mean that all They're of them all... will be a defensive sure. back. And with Caleb Benning in particular, it, it's possible that they may see a position change for him. Also, I don't think you're going to leave him out if he wants to come here because of all oh, of the different oh. boxes he checks. Oh, my God. He is not being left out no, no, no. whatsoever. No, the, no, no. It's the, the other way get... around. Right. It would, you know, right. the, the fact that he's a an in-state, a legacy, yeah. the Omaha Metro, a really good, talented sure. program that's churning out guys to Oregon and Notre Dame. That part of it, yeah. All, all if there's of those, if there's yeah. any way that Caleb Benning doesn't come to Nebraska, it's not because Nebraska doesn't want him. right. Right. It's not that at all. So I don't think that Nebraska would, would be yeah. crazy if they would if they wouldn't want this guy. I mean, he is he is an incredible player. But it's it's I was just bringing that up to just say. So there may I be mean, other guys in the class. There might be other yeah, guys that, that he might that be looking. I mean, look, thing. he's got a lot of other offers from a lot of good programs, and he may look at the, those programs, and a lot of those programs have won way more than Nebraska has, and he might be like, well, look, you know, they got two defensive backs. Why wouldn't – I don't want to compete against six guys, you well, know? Last thing we'll say on this, and then we got to get to our, uh, our break, and then Ethan Piper. I don't know that every class with rule staff will go this way. Sure. It, it may be possible that rule and his staff are just saying, hey, we're going to go out do these camps, we're going to test these kids, and we're going to see what the interest is. And you know what? If we end up with 25 by the 4th of July, so be it. And we're going to honor those commitments, and we're going to take those guys that believed first. If we miss out on a couple of, you know, can't-miss guys, so be it. We'll, we'll, we'll take that hit because these guys believe in us because we believed in them and offered them the scholarship. So... I think this first class, you may see these recruits pile up like this. I don't know that you'll see that for the class of 25, 26, and well, into the future. Well, it's the it's the absolute opposite of what they did in the class of 2023. Because class of 2023, they went after just all seniors. I mean, there was a rush of just getting as many. And that may be because of the situation that they were put in. Completely, but they, yeah. But they also talked about how, I mean, Matt Rule talked about how much he likes seniors. He likes seniors. Yeah. He likes going after seniors. So... We'll 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 see what happens, but twenty two is a lot, and I and I'll keep saying it. It's a double edged sword because you get guys that are committed to the program, but then you also, you know, you there are, there are reasons, and it's not just Benning; it's other other prospects who could look and be like, well, yep. they got nine guys in my position now, so why? I mean, there there's probably better opportunities elsewhere. Yeah. So in addition to Carter Nelson, uh, just real quick, Rex Guthrie, six one two hundred pound safety from Colorado. Only offers that I can see Wyoming and Penn, not Penn State, Penn, like the Ivy League school. Um, also Monday was Kewan Lacey, six foot two hundred five running back from Texas. Uh, his top six included TCU, Ole Miss, Miami, Baylor, Arizona State. Quinn Clark, six five one ninety wide receiver from Montana, legacy commit, son of Husker running back Ken Clark, who recently passed away. Uh, was only offered by Montana, Montana State, Portland State, just those area schools. Carlin Jones Thursday six three two seventy a defensive lineman from Texas uh, was offered and took visits to TCU Oklahoma State Cal and Georgia Tech so kind of a mix of, of what we were talking about with the the recruits that committed last week where you know some of these guys are are just hey straight up we are going to give you an offer 
if you fall into the group of, you know, you, you test right, you get everything, you get all these times that you need, sure. and we're going to give that offer to you regardless of how few of, you know, Power 5 schools or even Division 1 schools have offered. So uh, those are the guys they got in addition to the big one, Carter Nelson, uh, on Wednesday. Yeah. Um, all right. When we come back, uh, another massive player in his own right, uh, Ethan Piper, an offensive lineman, has uh, multiple starts under his belt, a couple years of starting. Uh, we will talk with him about this offensive line room and in his offseason and get you ready for the 2023 season with our summer position previews that continue right after this on the KLIN Husker Hour. Giving you a complete review of the Huskers news this week. This is the KLIN Husker Hour on Lincoln's Husker Radio, 1499.3 KLIN. Continuing our summer position previews, next up is offensive line. And we've got uh, an experienced Husker here to help us break down that room and, and get us ready for the 2020 season, 2023 season. Uh, Ethan Piper, Husker offensive lineman, joining us here on the KLIN Husker Hour. Ethan, thanks a lot for the time. How are you today? Good. Thanks for having me. Yeah, we appreciate your time, uh, and and we appreciate the uh, opportunity to learn more about your guys' offseason. I've, I've asked a few of your teammates already. You beat Iowa, and the next day Matt Rule's announced, and, and the staff comes in, and, and it just kind of seems like a whirlwind. What's this offseason been like for you? You know, it's kind of been uh, a lot of transitions. Um, like you said, Coach Rule came in, and um, he, uh, right after the Iowa game, and um we had a lot of things that switched around. We got new strength staff, new nutrition staff, and um, the only thing that's been constant is uh, Coach uh, Rayola. And um, but it's been a good, good transition, and um, things are going well right now. Ethan, you've had a lot of time in Lincoln. This is going to be your fifth year uh, as a Husker. How you know? Obviously, you've grown, but what do you think you've grown? What do you? Th- what's the thing that's grown the most for you in terms of your play? Maybe it's your attitude. Maybe you as a person. What do you think has grown the most ev- uh, from yourself in your time here at Lincoln? You know, I just think it's my mindset. Um, just being on the Nebraska offensive line, I think we we are the guys that are in the trenches all the time, and um, like the games won in the trenches, so. Um, just having that mindset of uh, letting uh, just uh, that competitive mindset of saying that uh, the games were won with the guys, five guys up front, and taking that responsibility and uh, really owning, uh, taking ownership of that responsibility has been the biggest transition. So. With your career coming in in 2019, you, you played one game as a true freshman and then started almost every game in 2020, didn't have any starts in 21, but then started over half the season last year. With those ups and downs, how is your, uh, what, what is your mentality like to, to try to stay ready in case you're needed and, and, and making sure that you're also you know, being supportive of, of the team that is out there on the field at the same time? Yeah, I all of those ups and downs uh, helped me shape me as a man. Um, you know, life, uh, football is a lot like life. You never know what, what's going to happen. You always have to be ready. And um, every single one of those opportunities were a learning moment for me, just to reflect on what I needed to do better or what I was doing well. And um, especially, uh, like I said, um, just that attitude of growing up and, 
um, in a lot of those situations and taking more responsibility and change that mindset um, has really helped me to become the player I am now. And um, I don't know, uh, it's been, it's been a very good and uh, beneficial growing experience in the last four years here at Nebraska. So, Ethan, I, I went to all of the open practices uh, during the spring, and, and I tweeted this out. I kind of wrote a little bit of a thing that the, the coach that I was most impressed with was your coach, Coach Rayola, and, and his coaching style and how he guys, how he was teaching you guys the position and, and pushing you. And it was very clear that through all these off-season interviews that you, yourself and all the other alignment were ecstatic that he was going to come back and he was going to be your online coach for, for a second season. Can you describe to me your uh, his coaching style and why that's such uh, it, it's it's attractive for you guys? You know, um, I have nothing bad to say about Coach Donnie. He he is the type of guy that is gonna. I, I always say, it, you know, you have a good coach in the room when you love and hate him at the same time. Like he's gonna push you until you can't give any more on the field, and then when you come off the field, he's gonna be your best friend and. Um, he is all about relationships. He's buying us pizza on the weekends. Watch, we're watching UFC fights together as an offense line. And, um, like we are just together all the time. And, um, it's just, it's just a good, um, environment he's creating here in the offense line. And, um, for us to, um, uh, say that, uh, like you, you said, all the players are coming back and saying that he's the guy, which he is. And I'm very grateful that um, uh, he was kept on staff. I think Coach Rule saw what he was doing here, um, just with the culture in the offensive line room. And um, like I said, I'm very honored and blessed to play um, underneath them. So, joined by Husker offensive lineman Ethan Piper here on the KLI and Husker Hour, breaking down the offensive line uh, preview in the season and. and- Ethan, just to ask you about uh, a few of your teammates, uh, Nori Nuelli is going to be able to play this season after uh, missing last season due to suspension. What's it going to mean for this offensive line to have him back? Um, you know, Nuri is a very physical and capable body up, up, up front for the offensive line, and um, he's a very valuable asset. And just having him on the offensive line, and that just allows us to have a bigger depth of an office line room, um, uh, the more talent in the office line room just means it's going to be more competitive, and the more competitive just means that we're going to push each other um, uh, and to get better, and it's going to lead to more progress that's going to be made in the, in the offseason and in-season. In and um, just having him as another guy um, has been really cool. Um, I used I was his roommate and um, last year, and I know that he's been looking forward to this moment, and I can't, see, I can't wait to see – uh, what he could do this season, Ethan. What are what are you looking to improve on in the most uh, this off season? Um, I think just um, like a, to improve the most would probably be um, just like our mindset of like attacking each game. I think we got the talent. I think we got um, the size. I think we got the experience. We just have to have that belief that we're going to win every single game and. Um, that just comes from buying in and taking, like I said, taking ownership of our jobs up there. And um, I think the rest will come. So um, I just think that in, that ownership and that confidence 
is the two big things that we need to focus on this year. Another couple teammates that you guys have up front there uh, projected to, to be tackles uh, on the on the starting line with you. Uh, ben Hart has been described by Matt Rule as as a guy he sees uh, as an NFL player. Teddy Prohaska has has really played well when he's been able to stay healthy, and, and hopefully he'll be that this season. What do you see from those those really really tall guys out there on the edges for your your, your tackles there? You know, um, like I said, we got a great depth. An offense line room, I think. Um, Teddy, Price, Turner, um, they, they're all dudes I could play at any level. And, um, I just think that we're, like, for me, I'm, I'm very thankful for having those guys in, in the room. And, um, like Coach Rule said, I think, um, he sees, uh, their potential and is excited, and which I'm excited too. Um, and like we have the sky's the limit for us, if, but we just had to put in the work to get there. So, Ethan, some could describe you as as the elder statesman of this offensive line room. With you know, you're going into your fifth year. Um, have you taken? Have you seen yourself take a leadership role? And is there anyone that you think you've taken under your wing uh, in this old line room? You know, I, 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 I I'm. I try to be as vocal as possible. I, I, I feel like I, like you said, I've been through kind of the ringer, but been up and down, um, seen it all, been through a lot of coaching staffs and got a lot of experience. So I, I try to relay that to the guys as much as possible. Um, and um, just from a mindset of uh, what, like, I know um, what all those other teams, like, I just hate the feeling of losing. And I know what, we do to lose games. So I'm trying to preach the opposite. Um, but taking under uh, people under my, my wing, I, I try to take all, like, especially all the new freshmen um, that came in, we got eight new guys. Um, like just individually, I know the transition from high school football to um, college football is a hard one, especially in the summer. Um, when you're away from home, you can go homesick and stuff. So right now I'm, I'm trying to take those guys under my wing just a little bit. Um, just to make sure that they're doing doing all right and making sure they're learning all the stuff okay. Um, but in the during fall camp, um, like I said, we got we got a lot of experience. So I think um, just being um, around the guys and trying to communicate what our goals and uh, how our progress is going to be um, is going to be my main goal. So. Ethan, we'll get you out of here on this. Uh, I know you're part of the leadership team for the Husker football road race. What's it mean to you to be a part of that event, and, and what can Husker fans expect from that? You know, um, it means a lot. Um, growing up, I, I saw Jack Hoffman um, about, I think it was 10, 11 years ago, run his touchdown in the spring game. And this would be a continuation on that uh, pre- pediatric brain cancer foundation. Um, means a lot um, for me. And just a little bit about the road race, um, like the two things. The first one is like, I mean, I think it's a cool opportunity that this is going to be like the only time in the entire year that you're going to fans can come and spend two hours and just be around the football guys um, running and not running. We're going to be out there for about two, two and a half hours. So like this is the one time that the entire team is exposed to the public without um, – just us guys being guys. And the second one is um, that, like, 
us coming together as a team. We're already so busy doing football, school, um, all this other stuff. And sometimes um, just coming together as a team and doing something for the community, this uh, makes us take a step back and realize that how many uh, lives um, Nebraska football impacts. And for anyone, especially freshmen and transfers, I'm just seeing that um, community base, um, all the fans that Nebraska has and um, how they interact with us and what it means, what Nebraska football means to them is going to be huge. So um, I'll just say that if you guys, if anybody's listening and has any doubts coming to the road races, do it. I, um, I know that the Nebraska football team is going to be more than happy uh, to be able to interact with all you guys. So, Awesome. That's Husker O-Lyman, Ethan Piper, helping us break down the offensive line for the 2023 season here on the KLI and Husker Hour. Ethan, thanks a lot for the time, and, and best of luck this season. Yep, thank you. Thanks, Have a good Ethan. one. All right, we'll be right back, uh, Matt and I, after this. We'll continue to break down this offensive line position right after this here on the Husker Hour. Talking with current and former Huskers and those that cover the Big Red. This is the KLIN Husker Hour on Lincoln's Husker Radio, 1499.3 KLIN. Big thanks to Ethan Piper, who just joined us uh, talking offensive line room, breaking down his offseason and, and getting us ready for 2023 as well. And and another roommate's uh, tracker for you, they're... they're uh, Ethan Piper and Nori Newelli are roommates. Oh. That was always a big deal with Tommy Armstrong and Jordan Westerkamp. Were you aware of that? No. Nope. Okay. Yeah, because you're only 21. Yep. Yep. Okay. So, yeah. So, Ethan Piper, good stuff. If you missed that, always uh, always check in on the podcast page on your platform of choice. Subscribe to the show. Download this episode and any others you want to hear. Uh, we've got four position previews on the board now. Uh, and you can find us also all. Um, you can find us also at Husker Max and KLIN. Dot com. Uh, let's break this offensive line down, shall we? So in terms of the nuts and bolts, you've got departures, Trent Hickson, Brock Bando, really the only starters. Um, also lost Hunter Anthony, Brant Banks, Kevin Williams, Michael Lynn, Alex Kahn, and Ezra Miller. Uh, and then newcomers, Ben Scott, probably the only one of those guys that is a uh, 2023 starter. Uh, Jacob Hood and Tyler Knock from... Georgia and Utah, respectively, and then incoming freshmen, Gunnar Gatula, Sam Sledge, Mason Goldman, and Brock Knudsen. Uh, and then returning, Newelli, Piper, Corcoran, Ben Hart, Prohaska, Lutovsky, Justin Evans-Jenkins, and Keegan Menning. All five starters I think you could probably put down right now in, in pencil, maybe a couple of them in pen. Uh, I think there's just a couple of questions, and I'm interested to hear your thoughts, Matt. Number one, is Teddy Prohaska good to go August 31st? And if not, where do you move the chess pieces around? And number two, how much rotation do you see outside of those first five, assuming those first five stay healthy? Um, number one, we obviously won't know, but we can kind of speculate as to how you move guys around if Prohaska is not available for some or, or part of that season, especially at the start. What do you think? I'm doing some math. I'm doing some math here. Right. Um, you want I me believe, to go first? Yeah, then? you go first. Because right. so I, I have I yeah. have a point. I have a point. Yeah. To make in in regards to that. Yeah. But, yeah. Well, I'll let you go first because so, I just thought of something and I'm just trying to write everything down. Yeah, yeah. So Prohaska, if he's not healthy, and and 
look, I think he is obviously the left tackle this team would like to put out there. He's just only been able to stay healthy for five games in two seasons. So if he's not able to go, I think the move is you put Corcoran out there at left tackle, and then Newelli gets his left guard spot back. You have Ben Scott at center. You have Ethan Piper, who is a multi-year starter. You can slide him over to right guard, or you can put Newelli at right guard and leave Piper at left where he played last season while Newelli was suspended, and then you've got Ben Hart out at right tackle. Corcoran's got starting tackle experience. He's got more experience now lately inside on the line uh, on the guard spot. Uh, you could also utilize Henry Lutowski at one of those guard spots uh, if you feel more comfortable with him. I just don't know outside of Corcoran, Ben Hart, and Prohaska who else you would feel comfortable playing tackle at this point. You have Jacob Hood, who's certainly got a tackle type frame from Georgia. And Gunnar Gatula was the only one of those freshmen who was in for the spring. I don't know that you want to throw a true freshman out there quite yet, though. So Yeah, they've made that mistake before. And, yep. and and not that the guys that they've thrown out there are true freshmen did bad, but that's O line is one of the very few positions where you just can't do that. I mean, it's just so when we're talking transitions. Ethan Piper, by the way, one of those true freshmen who yeah, did play. Absolutely. But when we're talking transitions, I think the biggest transition is the trenches to to High school trenches to college trenches. Now, I think that you'll see more often D-line will go high school to true freshmen starting more often, and it's okay because they're attacking. You know, they're, These guys who are four- or five-star prospects on the D-line, they're already the size of, of these, these uh, offensive linemen they're going against. But offensive linemen, they typically don't face those big defensive linemen in high school. So it's really difficult for you to transition from high school offensive line to college offensive line, which is why, look, I think if there's any position where iron truly sharpens iron, it's O-line to D-line. Because if you're a high school, a a great high school offensive lineman, and now your freshman year, you're at Georgia or Alabama, and you get to practice and make mistakes against these high-level defensive linemen, Mm. it's really good for you. So... I think that, yeah, Gunnar Gunner Gatula, if they can just kind of let him develop and not have to throw him in the fire, and it's not, it has nothing to do with his skill necessarily, just everything to do with the practice of starting offensive linemen mm-hmm. uh, right away, I would prefer them to stay away. Here's my thing, and we got a couple minutes left here. Piper's got 23 games under his belt. Scott's got 28 games under his belt. From Arizona State. Corcoran's got 23 games under his belt. Ben Hart's got 30-plus games under his belt. Newelli's got a full season. Prohaska's probably your most talented offensive lineman, and, and and rightfully so should be the left tackle. He's only played eight games because of, of how much injury he's had. Yep. So I will say this about the O-line. I love their coach. I will be a Donovan Rayola guy to the day to the day I'm gone. Seriously. I think he's phenomenal, and I think he gets a lot of slack because of how they performed last year. But... Or, or what? How much they had lost the year before, and, yeah. and the optics. I don't think the O line. I think it, as soon as you ask, oh, what's what's the problem with Nebraska? People would say, oh, their O line is terrible. Their O line's not that good. I think that was blown out of proportion last year. I think there were games where, yeah, when they played Rutgers and and Casey Thompson was getting blown up, that wasn't great. But when they played Purdue, they look. You don't score that many points against Purdue with a bad O line. I mean. They look good against Purdue. The they problem was well they were inconsistent. Exactly. Yeah. 
And so now you add 12 games to almost everybody's belt. And not only just 12 games, but a lot of these guys play different positions. They switch from guards. They, they yeah, went Corcoran's, to Corcoran, bouncing Corcoran's bouncing around. We heard that in the offseason. They're all playing different positions and stuff like that. And Rayola wants to develop that. Look, we're talking about an online that's probably one more piece away, one more depth position away. I mean, if they kept on to Walter Rouse in that transfer portal, I feel like we'd be talking about this O-line a lot more in in terms of optimism than we are of unsure. You certainly feel more comfortable if Prohaska is not ready to go day one. Sure, absolutely. But here's the thing. You got experience. You got one, two, three, four guys who have more than 20 games played at the position, and you got another guy, Nuwili, who played a full season who would have... 20-plus games if he wasn't suspended last year. So I think you have to be just in terms of experience and how much they love their coach and how you got six guys who can play for sure, plus Latowski. I mean, you got to feel a lot better about this group this year than you were last year. Are they going to be world beaters? Are there going going to be All-Americans on this roster? More than likely not. Are they going to be a top offensive line of the country? You don't know. You don't know. I mean, if we were t- if we were Michigan reporters, we would say, "Oh, without a doubt, right?" But we, we yeah. you just don't know. But I would feel I feel a lot better about the group of guys that they have, just because of the experience they have, mm-hmm. just because of of the different tools that they now have. And I think that this group should be looked at in a more positive light this year yeah. than last year. And I think that honestly, last year, in my opinion, it was overblown about how they performed. I thought they were way better than what people made them out to be. Were there rough games? Yes. But there were also games where they looked really good. And there were also games where Casey Thompson wasn't getting touched. I mean, they Purdue didn't have a sack. Didn't even have a... uh, I don't know if they even had a QB hurry or... like They they got very limited pressure on him. Casey Thompson's jersey stayed pretty clean in that one. So it's like this this whole line has shown flashes that they can be... Very, very good. And the the way that you solve inconsistency is continuing to play. Yeah. And they all played. Yeah. Um your your starting offensive line, is it Prohaska, Newelli, Scott, yeah. Corker, and I think ben it's Hart? I think I think there's just a very clear Ben Hart, Prohaska your tackles, yep. uh Newelli and Cork your guards. Yep. And then you got uh uh Scott. Did I say Scott already? Ben Scott. Ben Scott yeah, is the center. center. Uh-huh. And then yep. you got a really good piece in Ethan Piper, who played real well last year, who, if one of them's lacking, I don't think there would be any hesitation for Rayola to fit in into that old line. He started the bulk of two different seasons. Now. I'm telling you right now, Piper is, he's got, I would not be surprised if Ethan Piper gets a job. Because right now, with a new coach, with Matt Rule, who who prides himself on the trenches, I don't think anyone is safe. I think the yeah. only guy that you could for sure mark into that starting lineup is Ben Scott. Other than that, I think they're all up for grabs. We made this point with the secondary. I don't necessarily think experience is the only thing that's going to get you that job. There's there's other guys I think that we we talked about. You know, experience from other places that might get you that starting spot, uh, and experience may not carry you to a starting spot. The other thing is. How much will he want to play some of these true freshmen? Uh, maybe just to get their feet wet. You know, one game, two games, you still preserve that red shirt. That was what Piper's situation was in 2019. He just played that one game yeah. and, and got his feet wet. So, uh, so a couple things to watch there on the offensive line. Good breakdown there. Uh, we come back uh, more on the recruiting from this week. And we'll kind of take stock of, of where we're at, what these players we've talked to have told us you can expect in the fall and what they've seen from their position group 
and the coaches. Uh, we'll, we'll take stock of that right when we come back here on the KLI and Husker Hour. Your Saturday morning source for everything Huskers is right here. You're listening to the KLIN Husker Hour on Lincoln's Husker Radio, 1499.3 KLIN. So, so far, Matt, we've talked to four different players. We've got a few more on the horizon coming in July, the rest of it. What have we learned? I, I think this is a good you know, halfway point of the year, halfway point of the position previews, uh, to talk about what we've learned in terms of how this staff is going to coach these guys what their plan is, what they've kind of been scheming for, and and what we can expect in 2023. What what's one thing you take? I'll away give so you far? a very quick answer here. Yeah, culture, just culture. Yeah. Every every player that we've talked to raves about the culture, raves about the family aspect, raves raves about how much they enjoy being in that facility. Uh, they there has not been one, and not that we think we would get negative words from people, but there hasn't been one inkling from me to think that there's any doubt from these guys that they don't enjoy showing up to the facility every single day and playing for the coaches that they're under. Mm-hmm. I think that's very positive. I don't, I'm not going to say anything about whether that was the fact in the past with the other era of, of coaches or whatever, but that is the number one thing that I've taken away. They love playing for Coach Rule. They love playing for the coaches. They love showing up to the building every single day. That's what, my only point. Yeah. What do you call a road trip? What's the, the cliche that people call a road trip when you're trying to just go get a win and get Business back? trip. That's right. Business trip. I don't know how many of these four guys we've talked to so far, Ramir Johnson, Quentin Newsom, Nate Borkercher, Ethan Piper, uh, I think at least three of them have said something to do with business. Like Matt Rule is, you know, whatever the other things they say about him, like, uh, he makes you feel welcomed. Um, he he wants to win, et cetera, et cetera. He's a he's down to business. Like Quentin Newsom was the first one that it, like stuck out to me. Like uh, he's all about business. Or Get your business was, done. Or was that Ramir? May have been Ramir. I think actually. it was Ramir. Yeah. the 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 point is that sticks. That's just that sticks out to me so far with the guys we've talked to. Matt Rule is here to do the job, to get his business done, to get these guys better, to improve the scheme on the field and and ultimately to get wins out of the season and then set yourself up for the future seasons as well. Business, business, business. That's the big takeaway for me. And the other thing is some of the guys who we've talked to, you don't even know if they're going to be starting. There's a lot still to work out on this roster in, in terms of who's going to be playing a bulk of the season. Nate Borkircher, I think, is probably your starting tight end on day one, but if Fedoni or Gilbert are able to kind of get entrenched. Does that continue, or do those do those guys maybe usurp that job from him? Piper and Ramir Johnson, they've got competition at their positions. You may not know how much those guys play either. So those those aspects are, are pretty interesting. There's still a lot to work out in terms of who's going to see the field. Out if, of there, guys. if there's anything that we took away from the spring game is that you don't know because yeah. P-Will or Prince uh, Prince Well. Yeah, Umu- P-Will. Umu- 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 Milan. Yep. <laughs> and Cam Lenhart, two two tr- two true freshmen, yep. started that game. Yeah, no one saw that coming. Omar Brown we and talked held about their it. own too. Yeah, yeah. And, and and we're talking about we talked extensively about the defensive back position. Mm-hmm. Those two, Omar Brown, Corey Collier, two guys that we didn't anticipate would be out there on the first team defense. Mm-hmm. We're playing first team defense. You don't. You don't how know. much? How much of that is a message to the guys that they may be exactly. taking jobs from? Exactly. How much is hey, you are actually in the pole position? That's it's something to watch. So for sure. It, it, when and you can't just go away. And Steve Sipple says it all the time. 
yeah. love listening to him. You, you can't just go away handing out jobs. You can't sure. get in the habit of just giving out jobs to people. Sure. I totally agree with that. You can't just say, oh, you, hey, Billy Kemp, you're here. We wanted you to be here. You're our number one wide receiver. No. Yeah. It's a new staff. They don't, they don't know. They know a lot more now than they did when they first took over. Absolutely. But it's, they're, they're learning about this team. They're learning about what a coach, and I think Matt Rule is, is about this too, who can I put out there that is going to give me the best chance to win games? That may not be a direct correlation from who was out there last year to who was out there in this upcoming season. Yep. And so I think that you're absolutely right. It's all about business. You don't know who's going to be out there, but I'll also say this. It's a heck of a lot easier to win games when you're happy to be there than when you don't want to be there. 100%. Yeah, so good stuff. Uh, those four, as I mentioned, Ethan Piper, Nate Borkircher, Quentin Newsom, Got a lot coming up. Ramir Johnson. Those guys are all up on the podcast page. Uh, download, subscribe. You can find them if you missed them. Uh, and, yeah, more to come in the month of July for sure. Uh, when we come back, uh, we're going to wrap this thing up. Some more accolades from a former Husker baseball player and another one in the pros as well, uh, plus more academic All-Americans for Nebraska leading the country. They continue to pile on. Uh, we'll break that down and uh, get you ready for Fourth of July weekend right after this on the KLIN Husker Hour. Giving you an inside look at everything Huskers. This is the KLIN Husker Hour on 1499.3 KLIN. Congrats again to track and field athletes Till Steinforth and Axelina Johansson, the best name in Nebraska athletics right now. Uh, both of them were the, I believe, male and female uh, big track and field athletes of the year in the Big Ten Conference. Uh, both of them are academic All-Americans, adding to Nebraska's total uh, that leads the nation. So congrats to them. Many, many more spring athletes uh, listed on the academic All-Big Ten lists. Um, and uh, so congrats to them as well. In terms of baseball, Max Anderson, now a part of six different All-American teams, uh, all of them second-team All-American. Uh, I'm not even sure which one it was this week, but there's six total. And uh, Spencer Schwellenbach, former Big Ten Player of the Year, he is part of the Braves farm system, selected for the Futures game at the All-Star game. He's going to be the fourth former Husker to play in the Futures game, joining Jamal Strong, Alex Gordon, and Jabba Chamberlain. All three of those guys eventually did make the major league, so uh, Schwellenbach well on his way uh, as a pitcher. He played shortstop and pitcher here. Uh, he is as a pitcher in uh, the, the professional ranks to uh, uh, to make that Futures game, so congrats to him. All right, uh, that is going to do it for us. Thanks to Kenny Larrabee and Matt McMaster. I'm Cole Stukenholtz. Have a happy 4th of July weekend and 4th of July Tuesday. Uh, make sure you keep all your fingers and toes and bring them back for next week when we were uh, going to be joined by Caleb Henry uh, in the studio uh, on July 8th. So uh, we will see you uh, the week after that. In the meantime, go Big Red.